No test questions. Uh, they're, Biden, they're all test questions. If you were Joe Biden, would you wear an earpiece? They're all. T what I wear? <laughs> I wear. I wear depends. Yes. Sir. Did, you, did you get that? Did you get that? Okay. So, kind of what I'll do. How you doing? Good to see you. Good. Very good. Um, so what I'll kind of do is I'm gonna just. I'll go as many as I can. I'll try to be as brief as I can. Try not to make a statement so we can get as many questions in as possible, okay? And then uh, I will probably do a one-on-one -on -one interview with you. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay, how about that? How about that? Because he, he's the only one around here that says, hey, Flynn. <laughs> like, you know, it's unbelievable. Huh? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, hey, hey Flynn. Get over here. Okay. So, um, you know, the ground rules or whatever you want to ask, don't matter. Uh, we'll go from Let's kind of start over here. Anybody have any questions? Okay. I I'll, certainly do. Yes, sir. So, um, in light of... And, and, I, and what I'd like you to do is say your name and who sure. you represent, or what your podcast is, your media outlet or whatever. Sure. Uh, Jason Burma speaking here, Red Voice Media, also independent. Um, in light of all these uh, classified documents and the scan, do you believe that this is the way that they're trying to remove him without acknowledging the dementia or anything else? And if so, who do you think is going to step into not only, obviously, Kamala Harris, the presidential role, but then in the vice presidential role? Yeah. So first of all, I think that any time we have classified documents that are um, in places that they should not be, clearly... In the uh, in this in this uh, you know Pennsylvania University uh, think tank office and also in the uh, garage of the vice president at the time now he's of course he's the president anytime we have classified documents like that that are not where they're supposed to be is not a good thing and until we you know I think we'll eventually find out what was on those classified documents and I think we're going to find out that they are probably not good for. Uh, you know, for President Biden, not good for a lot of reasons because they're probably, and I'm just speculating because I don't know, but I'm, my, my guess is they probably have to do with things that are related to business uh, dealings, potentially, that uh, his son was involved in and possibly even the, even the vice president at the time had some, certainly some influence over. So I think it's a really, uh, it's a real danger to our national security. I think that if it's not handled properly, even though the DOJ has put this put this uh, special counsel on top of it, you know, the the, the two um, sort of frames that we have in this country was a complete raid on a president of the United States home, Mar-a-Lago, President Trump, and then this recent discovery. Now, what I've learned and I think what we've seen is that these classified documents were actually discovered by, or before the election, before the 2022 election. So, and then, you know, they were kept under wraps, I guess, until just fairly recently in the last couple of weeks. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's a real shame. I think it shows the double standard that we have in this country when it comes to the rule of law. And uh, it's, it's something that has to be fixed. So I hope that the, uh, the, um, this new House of Representatives uh, weaponization subcommittee that has been formed, I believe Jim Jordan, is the, uh, is the chairman of it. Uh, I, I believe that they're going to dig into it. They're going to have to because the American people are just sick of it. Uh, now, what does that mean to, you know, sort of what is happening? So what's the behind the scenes things that are potentially happening in uh, Washington, D.C. and inside the White House? 
I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's been a couple of uh, scenarios painted. You know, I, I, I think that the scenarios could be where they just, and it, may, it may be where, one, they do nothing. I don't think that they can do that, though, I don't, especially the, uh, the Department of Justice. I don't think the Department of Justice can do nothing. The, the likelihood that uh, the investigation of the Hunter Biden laptop might have been part of what uh, exposed these uh, classified documents, potentially. You know, maybe the, the attorney general in Delaware was getting closer to uh, what was happening. The attorney general that works for the Department of Justice in Delaware may have been getting closer. So the scenario that I think that a lot of people are looking at or talking about clearly is that, you know, Joe Biden, this is sort of the, 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 the left, is trying to remove him before the 2024 election. That's one of the things that's out there, certainly on the world of social media. And so, what, you know, what does that look like? I mean, it could look like, and one, one I heard the other day, it could look like uh, uh, before he does that, you know, he pardons Hunter, he pardons his brother, maybe one or two other business associates, and then, and then uh, resigns, and Kamala comes up, steps up, and, and pardons him. It kind of the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the Nixon Agnew kind of scenario. That's one. I mean, you know, there are others that are that are that sort of surround that as they I think as the as the left is trying to maneuver because they know that their message isn't resonating with the majority of the American people. Uh, And so, you know, they're riding a horse that uh, the American people don't trust, don't believe in the confidence level or way. You know, the levels are way down on the presidency. This president is a disaster in terms of his, his economic policies, uh, national security policies, international affairs, I mean, everything. So I, I think that they believe, even though we're hearing things like, well, he's about to announce you know, his, his run for 2024, we'll see. All speculation at this point, um, I think that we, if we've learned, uh, there, there is clearly a double standard in uh, our justice system. And if the attorney general uh, and the director of the FBI and, and other, others in the administration, if they don't realize it, and I know that they do, they realize it, they completely realize it. And part of it is, is I want the American people who listen to this, or anybody that's listening, any of the podcasters out there, any of the people that, that uh, watch these, I want them to understand that, that we're dealing with an administration that has every desire to take over control of our lives in this country and basically limit, in a very severe way, our rights. And I think that that's sort of the direction that we're heading. So um, we'll see, like, like I said, a lot of speculation, but, uh, but they're going to have to show and they're going to have to make some decisions here pretty quickly because this weaponization subcommittee is going to, they're going to take some, some hard shots at, at the administration. For those that don't know, yesterday the Department of Justice announced that they are no longer going to take um, uh, requests from the House. Okay, they, they announced this yesterday. Wow. No longer to take requests from the House for, you know, to, to dig into to, uh, things that are happening. So, yeah, so that, it's interesting. I mean, you'd have to go back and read the, uh, read the article and uh, read the statement from the... Uh, but it's like, wait a second. So, you, know, you can't do that. The people of this country are not going to put up with it. So, anyway, okay. Let me go right here, ma'am. Thank you. Hi, I'm Penny Faye, Penny Faye Live. Pleasure to meet you. Okay. Um, going to the clandestine services, FBI, I'm going to call them clandestine too, since okay. they're doing stuff under the table. How do we fix this? Yeah. So that's a good question. So 
the security state of the United States of America. You know, Eisenhower, in the very, very end of his administration, he, he sort of coined the term the military-industrial complex in a negative way, you know, in a negative way. So the rise of the security state has overtaken the military-industrial complex. That complex still exists. It's all over Washington, D.C., and, uh, and it, uh, it controls a lot of our money. Uh, a lot of, gets a lot of our tax dollars, so to speak. So that, that is a, so if you look at, just to give you a sort of a little bit of a, of a, of a 60,000 foot level, if you, if you still understand the military industrial complex, which is you know, really part of our defense industry, uh, and, the, and these partnerships that we have, particularly for things that we would normally do overseas, and now we have this rise of the security state. The size of the security state has grown since really 9-11. When you start looking at numbers of people in, or, in these federal bureaucracies, these unelected, unelected bureaucrats, as uh, Trump likes to talk about, they have times five. So whatever existed, if, if 10,000 existed in September, then now you're talking about 50,000 in that same agency or activity or department. I mean, and some of these departments have tens of thousands of people. So the growth of the federal bureaucracy, the growth of the, of the security state has grown immensely. So that what has happened, though, I think, and, and people are seeing, frankly, because of the, the body of people that I'm talking to this morning, the rise of independent voices who are unafraid and independent, right? I mean, and don't, uh, don't have to cater to a, a corporate uh, set of talking points. So you're able to expose a lot more. And when we have, honestly, I think that, you know, the globalist crowd didn't think that uh, Twitter was going to be, you know, bought for whatever he paid for it, $40 billion. But the price is actually, you know, the, the outcome is priceless. Because what we're learning, and many of us kind of knew, is this cooperation and collusion and conspiracy between the government and these private uh, organizations. Okay? So that's... That was all being done, to use your word, sort of in a clandestine way. Okay? They, were, they were trying to hide it. And we know, just based on the numbers of people from FBI, CIA, and other members of the security state that now work for Google, work for Facebook, I mean, the numbers are staggering. You know, what we learned from the Twitter files with just the FBI, we've learned about this partnership between, you know, that they were basically including on misinformation, right? And to, to really to block and tackle against people like yourselves, right? Because you're out there asking a question, you're getting an answer, and they go, this is misinformation. And that's a government entity working with private industry, you know, with these social media companies. These are big, big, powerful companies. These are companies at the multi, multi-billion dollar level, in some cases, the T, the tr- level. So that's the clandestine part of it. They were trying to hide it in plain sight and because they could. And no and the media is not going to go after it. Investigative journalists that work for the big corporations, they're not doing anything about it. And when, and when you have chiefs of security or the head lawyer for Twitter, in this case, was the head lawyer, Baker, right, at the FBI. So he went from being the top lawyer at the FBI to being the top lawyer at Twitter. So you can imagine who's over at Facebook, who's over at Google, who's over at, you know, name, the, name the, you know, that kind of type of, of company. That's the corporate... Uh, and government partnerships that exist right now, and 
So how do we fix it really is the essence, right? I mean, because he went from the dossier. Yeah, to I think Twitter. that, yeah. I mean, it's all the details. We can get all the weeds of all of it. But how, how it has to be fixed is through, in, I mean, number one is big, big leadership. Okay. And if you have the people in the White House, as we were joking about before, I mean, you know, they, they're not doing it. They're obviously not doing it. And in fact, they're, they're, they're promoting it. And, and we have people in the Justice Department that are promoting it and, or not, or they're hiding it. They're not digging in when they need to be digging in and, and showing that, hey, these are, these are not right. And they're investigating people that are out there saying, you know, just basically saying like, if, like a person like me. So if I'm out there saying, well, you know, I may be saying it, you know, through because I'm speculating about something, but I'm speculating about something with almost four decades of my life working in a, you know, in experiences and my own judgment about what I see and what I what I read and what I follow. So you cannot hide anymore. And that's the one thing that I have always said is that sometimes it takes a little while for the truth to come out, but the truth is eventually going to come out to fix it take a complete change in our culture and in our mentality and, and you know, and in the leadership in Washington, D.C. But it's not going to even, even uh, for a, a, a Donald Trump to come back. He's the right one because he's so out of the box and he's so, I mean, look at what they've done to him and his family and everything, right? I won't dig into all that, but he's a person that comes in and just goes, whoosh, you know, and he actually has the you know, not just the, the sort of the wisdom, so in, in a position of the presidency, understanding what he knows now, because I don't believe he understood as bad as it was back when he was in the house. That's partly why I'm standing up here today. Hold on, because this is a super important point. Because if it's not fixed, we can't get past this. Okay? If it's not fixed. So, you know, what do you do? You get in there and you, you look at the organizations, you look at the top leadership, you know, and you have to get rid of a lot of these people. I mean, there has to be whole cloth. Thank you for your service. Have a nice. And, and, and now, and that's one. That's but that's one part of it. The other part of it is accountability. So, because the American people want accountability, and they want accountability because they know something happened. So we have to hold the right people accountable, and some of that accountability. It's not to say we we want all these people in jail or where it's just to say to expose them and to say look you know you did this now how do you want to be you know re- you want to be remembered in history because right now the american people are not going to have anything but it's not going to have any of it in order to get there though it's going to take the american people so as many people maybe combined that are listening to these things it's going to take the american people to say we can't take this anymore you know I mean, we're, we're here and we talk about, you know, voting blocks and large voting blocks. And, you know, like I, I, you know, been inclined to say that, the, you know, like, and we're based on Judeo-Christian principles and values in this country. You know, the Christian voting block, Catholic voting block inside of the Christian voting block is gigantic. But like 50% of Catholics vote for Democrats. So you kind of go, I mean, but we also had, we also had uh, Republican senators vote for the, this recent marriage act, right? But they're all, they'll all stand there and say they're a Christian. And we had, you know, I think 16 senators vote for this $1.7 trillion bill where we sent, where we sent uh, 100 to $110 billion over to Ukraine. Back to us. So, 
But if you think about it, you know, we have 435 uh, members of the House of Representatives, right? So you took $100 billion, you divide it by 435. You know how much money each district in this country could get? That's $200 million. Okay? So $100 billion to Ukraine goes into, it's going to be a complete waste. It's going to be a complete waste. And, and uh, you know, that's $200 million per congressional district. Okay? So just, just thinking about it like that. Now, maybe that's apples and oranges, but that's the math. So when you think about it, the question about the activity of the state, as I define it, that has overtaken every aspect of our government because they, a lot of these people are compromised okay, for, for, one, for one thing or another. Okay. That's a long answer. So let me go back over to this side first. Anybody over here? Okay. Let me go right here, Pete. Yeah. Pete Santilli, Lindell TV, and Red Voice Media as well. Um, you mentioned the security state. What do you have to say uh, as, as somebody that, uh, uh, that knows how powerful the, uh, the security state is? What do you have to say to the new Congress that I, that I sense that you have confidence that they're going to address the weaponization of the government against yep. the American people? What do you have to say to Congress who controls the purse strings on one hand, uh, bringing a committee to address the weaponization and the funding to the FBI, who is most recently indicated that they're going to arrest thousands of more people as yeah. of January 6th. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the uh, I think the Attorney General, if I'm not mistaken, um, or somebody from the Justice Department put out something where they're looking at arresting, they, they have like another thousand cases that they're looking at. Wow. I think what has to happen is a, a step back. And this is where this, back to this, your real question is about the subcommittee in the House. I think the whole nation needs to, needs to take a big step back. Now, the Department of Justice is the executive branch. They're going to do what they do because of the direction that they're getting, you know, from the White House, right? So they need to understand that if this House starts to expose, if this, this committee starts to expose where the U.S. government or, or entities of the United States government were directly involved in inciting or, or influencing any of the activities, because now we're hearing that there were, some, there were some activities even six months prior by some on the left, okay, talking about things that they, that they could do, scenarios, right? And so it'd be interesting to see how much they dig into. And it's not just... We want the 14,000 hours of video. That takes a long time to look at, and, and then they'll find things. There's, there's probably hundreds of thousands of videos that people had, because everybody had phones here, that show different things. We've all seen all of the, all the most egregious videos, and we had somebody here talking yesterday about the, uh, about the January 6th uh, group, and uh, you know, the, it's just what the, the egregiousness that's happening to them by really the judiciary and and uh, executive branches of our government. I, I think that the committee has to prioritize, and they're going to have a real hard time here because they're probably doing it like this weekend because they're going to start to subpoena people here in the coming couple of days, I, I believe. We're going to start to see some subpoenas. I think they have to prioritize exactly what the committee needs to uh, have as an end state, okay, which is to show, because they don't have a lot of, 
authority. They don't have a, you know, they don't have arrest authority. They can send stuff over the transom to the to the Justice Department on contempt or lying, you know, and then the Justice Department has to do something about it. I don't think they're going to do much about it. I, I really, I mean, we're looking at two years that are going to go by just like that. So this committee has got to expose, and they've got to pin people down, and they've got to bring them all in. And I think that they're going to have to prioritize, to me, there's so much from, from the Russia gate, which was a total, total fake. It was a, I mean, a complete whitewash and unbelievable, you know, conspiracy by members in our government and outside the government against a sitting president. And you're looking at one of the people that was affected by it, as well as impeachment process, as well as what's going on in our the invasion of the country, fentanyl. I mean, all these different things. But there's a Judiciary Committee and there's other committees that have responsibility and jurisdiction that they can do, they can take on some of those priorities. The Weaponization Subcommittee has to really decide and has to really look, focus on what are, the, what are going to be their priorities. You know, I mean, you're, I know you're passionate about what's going on with the January 6th. I, I am as well. You know, there's other places that that might be handled, like by the Judiciary. And I think Jim Jordan, who's going to, I believe he's going to chair both, um, he's going to be a man juggling a lot of balls, and I think he's going to have to decide this subcommittee, this weaponization, really has to focus on exposing deep-seated and deep levels of corruption. I mean, expose it. And then the judiciary can take on some of the other bigger issues. So, what role in that's, that's good. So I'm going to come back out here. Any other questions? Yeah. General Flynn. General yes, right here. Okay, General right here. Flynn. Thank so you. this is yep. Deborah Keach of Wake Up, Shift is Happening TV, and of Transformation. Does that does that light matter? I guess for it would be great to have it on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it's. Is it just? Can we get another? Oh, I think it's, I think it's just plugged on. Okay, probably not plugged in. Clap on, clap off. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Two questions. Yeah. My understanding is that some things are going to occur and be revealed uh, in the next ten days or so with Carrie Lake, and then the other thing is CCP. Where, what is your feeling in regards to CCP and the real reality of what is going on with the, that whole entire global situation? Okay, so Carrie Lake, um, I am following her her sort of situation and where they're at. You know, I haven't, I haven't been, uh, in the last couple of days, I haven't been deep into exactly where it's at. I, you know, listening to Mike Lindell yesterday, and I know he's uh, he's behind it as well. She's going to fight this thing, you know, all the way to, uh, you know, an outcome that, you know, if we're if we're back to the rule of law in this country and back to a, a you know, a just system of government, and particularly our election system, then the outcome should be either they run a new uh, election, you know, and or they, you know, there's there's the state of Arizona can all, also overturn elections out there, and I think it's a six month period of time. I think that um, the, ch the challenge for Carrie right now is to keep that message alive, okay, because the media doesn't want to touch it. The Republican Party doesn't want to touch it. They didn't even want her to win, so the, the establishment. So, and actually, I think somebody like having somebody like Carrie Lake uh, as a governor of a border state, first, you know, so it's not just of a, of a, a first woman, state, you know, governor, because there's other, other uh, great women that have been governors. But it's of a border state, which is interesting because there's all kinds of different issues that particularly come up on, uh, on the sort of the national security side of things. So Carrie, extraordinary leader, extraordinary woman, um, and I know that she won't give in 
And so we're going to have to pay real close attention to it. And I frankly think, I appreciate your question about it. And I think all of us need to follow that. I think that's a, that is a topic that a lot of people in the country are paying attention to because it's a, it's a big deal. Because that's one where the, they're so blatant. I mean, the people that, a couple of the people that are involved in the Maricopa County, they're Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you kind of go, what's going on with yeah. these people? But, are, you know, are they, are they you know, what, the, my, to step back a little bit just from Carrie, but you start to say to yourself, do these, and this is really talking about the Republican Party, do these people not see that this country is falling apart and is being taken from us? So they, they, they want what? They want their own little fiefdoms, their own little power bases, their own little things, and you kind of go, what? You know? So anyway, that's that. CCP, because the CCP is a big deal. Uh, the, the level of infiltration by the Chinese Communist Party into the United States of America in every institution that we have, academics, you know, financial, government, it's been ongoing for decades. Okay, and particularly in the academic institutions, because I've really taken a hard look at that. And when you start to look at students coming over from China at about a hundred thousand a pop every year, it's actually it's actually gone from like a hundred thousand some years or three hundred thousand some years or five hundred thousand students coming from China. They spend a year at some of the top universities, you know, undergraduate and graduate universities in this country. And, and uh, under, under uh, I think it was under John Kerry's, uh, when he was Secretary of State, he, they were all coming on one-year visas. He, he granted them two-year visas. So now they can stay over the summer. And what happens when they stay over the summer? They get granted uh, internships and maybe come work for this, you know, for, like be, be a, uh, uh, a person that comes in to work for a, a congressman or a senator's office back in their home state. You know, there's all these little things. Go into like little businesses. And also the Chinese party with their affiliations and, the, and what they do here anyway. I mean, the ability to be able to establish uh, um, small businesses or to have or to co-opt or to have literally spy operations back to the clandestine. Right. All these things have, you know, they go on. These are these are real things. And so the China, you have to understand that the that the Chinese government. They don't care about this global warming stuff. You think they care about global warming? Fentanyl, they're the ones pushing it into this country. Sadly, sadly, you know, the United States of America is the number one consumer of it, right? But they're, because people get addicted. So they, that's, I mean, it's chemical warfare in that case. Bio warfare would be, you know, the vaccine. So the, um, so this idea of the Chinese, you know, communist party, you know, people, you know, it's all Russia, Russia, Russia. And there's a reason. Big reason for that, and it's called money. It's called lots of money. Well, it's not just distraction. It's called wealth. There's a lot of wealth that comes by making them, you know, the bad guy, right? And and, and I'm not, you know, a, a Russia. You know, I'm not going to stand here and tell you. I mean, I I spent I spent a third of my career preparing to fight them. Okay, so I understand them. I understand what their system is, their government, you know, the whole thing, right? But the Chinese have been very back, and I think one of the things that for for listeners, you go to, uh, to like 1998. It's online. It's unrestricted call, unrestricted warfare. And, uh, and uh, you need to read that because it's unrestricted warfare. And this is why we, we just put out uh, the little you know, plug for this generation warfare, this citizens got fifth generation warfare that we just put out as a book recently was to 
to be kind of a counter to that, there's been other things written about it, but the Chinese idea of unrestricted warfare is to do everything that I just said about getting into academia, okay? In infiltrating it. Then you infiltrate into the, into the other aspects of society, our financial system, right? Not just made in China and, and sending it here. No, it's actually being part of physically right here. And then our government, okay? And, and so one other comment, because I, I always want to mention this person, the, the Harvard, the guy that was in charge of the, the uh, Harvard professor, uh -huh. yeah, $40,000 a month being paid by the Chinese government. So that's what I mean about infiltration and, and the kinds of things that they get involved in, right? So that's it. That's it. I'm going to go. Let me jump some. Let me go over here. Yes, sir. John Nolan with the Inspired Newsroom, sir. Uh, as the self-proclaimed elites are meeting in Davos, and uh, Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, has said, you know, we've penetrated all the governments, and we're dictating policy, if you will. Are you concerned about the close ties of Kevin McCarthy with the World Economic Forum? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that at some point in time, you can't deny it, because you can't hide it, right. right? You have to say, you know, you have to recognize that and this is, from, this is from what these guys say, what those in the World Economic Forum actually profess. And, you know, we've been exposing some of it in these, uh, in these Reawaken America tours, and a lot of people are talking about it. I mean, you, mean you have, you know, for a long time, we've been talking about it for years now, and I, I see, you know, people like Dan Bongino, he's all over it now, which is good because these are audiences that are out sort of, you know, Dan is not, Dan Bongino. One is a friend, but he's not a he's not. A, I don't consider him a mainstream media guy, right? He's a very independent thinker and very and, and very smart guy. But he's starting to talk about it. You hear Tucker Carlson talking about it more. Yes, you know, Tucker's like he's probably got you know the the board of directors of Fox like their hair on fire because he's <laughs> he's right at that edge, right? But when you have those kinds of those type of people that have a different audience, okay? Because your audiences are, you know, when you start, when you really examine the audiences that you all have and the audiences that watch a, a Tucker or watch a, a Dan or listen, because it's time and it's where they're at, that's important that we have that kind of conversation going on. So, you know, with somebody like, uh, with McCarthy as the speaker, he's going to have the American people, because now he's the speaker of the whole house. Okay? He's not just a congressman from California. He's more than that. Okay? He's more than that. Now, he, he understands this. He's a guy that now has the entire eyes of America on him. Because for the really the first time in, in I'm not sure in, in, if we ever had it in our history, where it took 15 rounds to get to that beautiful demonstration of democracy in action. And uh, you know, so now all the people of this country are like, okay. Okay, we got this weaponization subcommittee. What are we going to do? Are we going to actually do anything? Because this is not neighbor against neighbor, Democrat against Republican. This is a globalist right. elite yeah. against, against, against an America first. Yep. And the one thing I, because I, I, you know, use that phrase, America first. America first is a governing philosophy. And it has been around a long, long time. Donald Trump grabbed hold of it again. But America First, as a philosophy, has been around for a long time in this country. Make America Great Again is really the, the bumper sticker that we grab hold of.
say make America great again, you know, and all the other make whatever great again, that, that's part of that. But America first is a governing philosophy and it's basically, you know, in times when the country was at risk, we want to make sure, and, and we're at major risk right now, we want to make sure that we really refocus and retool and, and start to really look at what's happening in our country and we've got to take care of our country first. I mean, if your house is falling apart, you can't live in it, you take care of your house, Amen, right? Our house, is, our house is falling apart, and, uh, and it's the World Economic Forum, and they're, and they're ilk, okay, that are uh, behind it. And they look at us, they, they look at all of us literally as deplorables, okay? Like, I mean, I've met some of these people, had conversations with them, and the, and the arrogance oozes out of their bodies, Okay, it goes, I mean, it's like they look down at you like, you know, you're nothing. Okay? And, uh, and that's, and you know what? The funny thing is, is that American people get it. Because the American people are just, they're, they, they are so filled with common sense. Instead of all this, you know, all this other academia crap that these people will espouse and all of their titles and all of their degrees and all that kind of stuff, that, that matters less. Because what really matters is actually the ability to be able to practice your faith the way you want, speak the way you want. And it's like what Martin Luther, that's why we show that clip of Martin Luther King here when we start these every day to talk about we still have a right to speak freely, right to protest, you know, and we're protesting to protect our rights. Yeah. And the American people aren't about to give that up. So, no, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, General Quinn. Um, Name? Alex Sanchez, Patriot Party. Serial number? Okay. Now we have two cases. The second, which is now attached to Title 11, so that has also escalated into the forefront in terms of national security issues. Okay. So, in terms of those cases, what do you see the outcome and the potential impact of a favorable decision? The Brunson case. Yeah. Well, the Brunson case, the the Supreme Court, I think, just recently, they're not they're not looking at. Oh, oh, I see. The, yeah, the follow up. The follow. And, and they get they get five appeals. Yeah. 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 I, you know, Which is in I, I, yeah, I listened to the uh, a podcast where the Brunson brothers were talking. I forget who they were talking to. I forget the podcast, but listening to the one brother, and I think there was another one on there. I found it fascinating. Um, I read the uh, the base part of the case. I think they filed it as a, what's called a writ of certiori, which um, you know, you know, so it, the the Supreme Unless there's a big case behind it, they don't typically take those, you know, unless it's attached to something else. So I think that's when they first, I was asked the question, what do you think about it? I thought, thought, I thought it was interesting, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And that was a few months ago. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like the, uh, the case to go someplace to, to at least acknowledge what they're talking about. I think the, I think the, uh, the, the desired outcome, I just don't think that our judiciary is there today. Sure, I'm certain that there are. I mean, I haven't followed the amicus briefs, but I, I'm certain that there are. And, I, I, you know, people, again, it's back to the American people. I mean, that's that got a lot of news, the Brunson Brothers case, and everybody was floating around, this is going to be it, this is going to be it, you know. I, you know, I just haven't gone through 
you know, my own sort of persecution and watching judges and watching the judicial system, the judiciary, the, you know, the media, even up to the Supreme Court. Judges don't want to uh, get involved in, in certain types. The interesting thing, though, and I learned this as part of this Brunson case, that Justice Thomas, who I'm a big fan of, and just because of the, the type of demeanor that he has had on the court, um, he spent 10 years without ever speaking during the Supreme Court in any of the cases. 10 years. Didn't say a word. And the first time he asked was on a case that was filed as a writ of certiorari. This is fascinating to me. Now, now that, that may be like, you know, pumpkins in refrigerators, you know, but, but um, I, I do know that that the, that the way that they operate at that level, they review everything. And there's, and there's really smart clerks and there's smart lawyers that they have because they, they, you know, they get picked, they're, they're the best of the best. And they look at things and they'll go, you know, yay or nay, this is a waste of your time. This, this has nothing attached to it. There's, there's no press. I mean, whatever. Whatever the, the various legal issues are, and, and I'm not a lawyer, but um, I've learned a lot. I just think that that is not going to. Um, I, I, I personally believe that it's probably not going to go anywhere. I, I'd like to think that it go, it does get exposed, but I I'm looking more at how because again, what it does, and I'll and I'll get to another question here. I'm, and I'm watching. I got a clock up there that I got. So if people are going to do nothing because they're waiting on that. Then you're you're gonna you're gonna go to your grave waiting on it. Amen. Amen. Okay, so all this all this nonsense about well this is the this is it this is it. And so people go okay let's we'll see what happens and it goes a month two months three months. People are doing nothing, so we can't afford that because you know what people can't control that. Your listeners, your people can't control any of that. So. You know, if they want to just sit on their rear ends and do nothing, okay for them, it's not okay for me. Yeah, you got to get involved in everything that we're doing. So, anyway, thank you. Right here, this gentleman right here. All right, thank you. Will Jones, the apostolic conservative and newly of Frank's speech. Thank you so much. Good for you. Thank you. I want to know what your thoughts on the House of Representatives. Uh, as we learned through Cash Patel, that they do have authority uh, to arrest or send out uh, a team to arrest people. Right. Now, what I really want to, is it a possibility that it might be on their peripheral vision of Joe Biden going to uh, Virgin Islands prior to the Attorney General of, uh, of Virgin Islands uh, filing a, a suit against J.P. Morgan now and then her being fired within a day or two. I think while, while he was visiting. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what, what is your thought? And they went to, so I guess he stayed at some friend's house, you know. Yeah, can they? I mean, I don't know what's the matter. I, mean, I live in Florida. What's the matter with vacationing in Florida, right? <laughs> I mean, what's the matter with vacationing, you know, up in the mountains of uh, Colorado or, uh, you know, Utah or wherever? I mean. You know, I just, I, these people that go, I mean, I'm, whatever, I, whatever, I, I guess I've done it too, but I'm looking at the President of the United States and, 
You know, that, to me, that bothered me. Yes, so sir. that little, that was like a pet peeve of mine. Why do you got to go there yeah. to take a vacation? Yeah, it can't even sign the one. Well, why don't you, I mean, you know, because believe me, the United States government paid for that. So we had to fly airplanes. You got to get all kind of all the stuff that goes with the president of the United States into the Virgin Islands. You know, it's like, God, man, don't you realize how dumb that looks? Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. So all, all the other stuff, all the other things, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I read some of that. And again, the whole thing is a mess. We have a mess because there is so much secrecy and so much protection of what should be our business. Okay. And I think that, again, it's back to the how does the weaponization of government subcommittee for this House of Representatives prioritize? Because if they have a bunch of things that they're going to do, nothing will get done. If they don't laser focus on a couple of things, then then they're going to be wasting their time and it'll be a lot of show. And, and the other thing I, that I want to mention, because I heard um, Congressman Massey on... Tucker a couple of weeks ago say he where he kind of broached broached the idea of this weaponization committee uh, and he said that a lot of this is going to have to be done you know uh, uh, in closed doors because there's going to be a lot of classified and bullshit excuse yeah. my Irish yeah. you know I mean put them out there under the hot lights yeah. and right. and uh, and if something if they say if something where it's so classified because very a lot of our classified information is so overclassified or doesn't need to be. But if it gets to a question where it's like somebody goes, well, that's clearly classified. It's, if I give you the answer to that, I'm going to reveal my source and I'm going to reveal my method, which is the, the two words that are used most frequently to, to say that I really don't know or I'm, gonna, I'm about to, you know, I need to tell you behind closed doors because it's going to be a lie. Okay? So, so... Uh, I really think that if this subcommittee doesn't put these in, in the public, they go in the back rooms of, of, uh, of uh, the House, that's the wrong way to go. Make it public. Make it painful. Make it, put it, put it under the lights of, of the media. And, you know, because the mainstream won't, believe me, they're not going to cover it. They won't cover it like they covered the, the January 6th unselect committee. Right? They won't. They won't. So it's got to, they're going to have to balance that, and they're going to have to be smart about it, because if they start bringing everything down into the bowels of, of the House of Representatives in the skiffs and the compartmented facilities where they can talk classified, I'm going to tell you, the American people should be wildly upset. Wildly upset, because we can't take this anymore with, with hiding Government works for us. This is a republic. So, anyway, so anyway, yes, ma'am, right back here, this lady. Okay, hold on. Talk about people getting information and and learning information and just sitting and waiting. What is the one thing that you think is the most important thing that people could be doing? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I once, you know, I use this phrase, local action equals national impact, okay? And we, uh, like yesterday, uh, down in Sarasota County, which is the county that I live in in Florida, they had a rally down there, uh, local, local groups. They had, I don't know, a couple hundred people, probably 300 people show up. And it's basically, uh, and people came from different counties to join the rally. Matt Gates was there. 
uh, and a couple of local uh, uh, county chairs were there from the Republican Party, basically to have a rally uh, to demonstrate a no-confidence vote against Ronna McDaniels from the, from the state of Florida. Now, that sort of local action got national attention. So that's a national impact, right? It's like I like to say this. Local action has a national impact. I've met so many people. And I do, this happens to me all the time where they come to me and go, I heard you say something, and now I'm on the school board, right? So I, you know, the best thing that people can do, and it's like I just answered this question over here about, you know, get off the couch. I mean, part of why we're here is because we were gifted by a generation, really, for, for most of you, two generations ago, but I was gifted in this country by my parents on a silver platter. You know, they're World War II, and my father was World War II in Korea. And, uh, you know, we were gifted this beautiful country, and, you know, we've just been lazy and apathetic. Now, people go, oh, I haven't been lazy, I haven't been I've been working hard. Well, you, you forgot about this thing called the, the politics and, our, and, and what people typically do, and I've heard it, and, and you get tired of it. Well, those politicians are all corrupt. Well, then do something about it. Yeah. Go run. How about, because I love to see, uh, and this is, why, this is why a guy like Trump was so attractive, and still is, because he's this, like, you know, Katie bar the door businessman who's like, you know, and, you know, and he's, not, he's not a perfect guy. In fact, I, like, there was times when I was introducing him at giant, giant uh, audiences as this is going to be the most imperfect president that you're going to vote for because he's not a perfect man, but he's a perfect man for this time. Yes, sir. Okay? And so, and so that's kind of where we are. But I want other people out there that are, that are really good in their, in their lives and do really well. They're, you know, they're great business. They're great lead, they're leaders in their community. That's why this Pastors for Trump crowd is, is starting to emerge because these are pastors who are leaders first and they're very they're studied people men and women who are who understand the bible understand the constitution but they're leaders and that's what the country lacks because you know there are good leaders and there are bad leaders bad leaders make bad decisions okay so when somebody's in congress right now and goes well he's a, you know he's the leader right he's the leader of the house he's the leader of the senate doesn't mean doesn't make him a good one when you look at their decisions and you say, are those decisions good for the people of this country? And, and for years, the answer has been no. no, no. Yes, sir. I mean, not just years, decades. So people got to get involved, okay? Can you speak to the spiritual aspect of those leaders, the church? What would you say to the church? What's your name? My name is Gary Duncan. I'm with the Remnant Revolution podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think we've said it, you know, and I talk about it. You know, this is a spiritual war that we're involved in. It's got components of intellectual, emotional, physical, definitely spiritual. Why? Why? Because when you look at the founding of this country, the founding of this country is based on Judeo-Christian principles and values. There's plenty of history written about the Constitution and how it essentially was written based on the Bible. Some, some historians will say, you know, as much as 75% is based on the Bible. And you hear all these founders and you read their diaries, you read their, you read the books that have been written about them and how as they came to the end of their lives, they were like, you know, always falling back on their faith and how they believed that this country will only last if the people of this country continue to have faith, right? And so when we look at, as I said earlier, when we look at voting blocks, right? I mean, 
I don't know how, I really don't know how you can be a voting for the principles of the left, right? When, when you're a Christian. I mean, I just, I just don't. And then the, most Christians, most Democrats, uh, well, most, most Catholics, because Catholics are a gigantic voting bloc. I don't think that they realize that the Democratic Party removed God from the platform in 2012. So the Pope. So yeah, that's a, Pope. I've written. Okay. Okay. But we have a lot of corruption up there. I, I'm the founder of Nationwide Freedom Family. Yep. Um, can you? I'm not sure if you'll be able to comment on this, but the Pandora Papers and all the treason that's gone on in there. We, we've uncovered 932 billion dollars of laundered money network. Jesley Maxwell was hidden up there and arrested up there. Yeah. I mean, just in the midterms alone, we had 94,000 wrong addresses. Okay. So cut until get get to your question. Okay. So Pandora Papers and the names that are in there, uh, Senator Shaheen, Governor Governor Sununu, um, you know, Congressman Pappas is on all this, and I think she's a yep. up in New Hampshire. Yep. And to go with Anna on um, what she was talking about, what, what do we do to get it done? Well, yeah. 400 of us. We show up to the executive meetings. You're answering your question. Yeah. Well, I'm, what I'm wondering is, is when do the bosses, the people, we the people, yeah. when do we get to hold them accountable for treason, genocide, sedition, and selling out the country and every people in it? My kid was killed with fentanyl. Great, thank God he was brought back and, and revived. My stepson wasn't so lucky. Mm-hmm. I had to watch him pull out of a hotel in Maine mm-hmm. and get a body back and tell his mom, her only child, yeah. Yeah. after getting his diploma a month later. Sad. So my, this, my two grandpas in World War II, one was U.S. Independence, USS Hornet, USS Gabriel Bay, ship saved the last breath of life. He was dead in 72. Okay? My other grandfather was battled with the Purple Heart, buried in the Yep. Cemetery. So what I'm asking is, when is the time for we the people to go fire those sellouts? Yeah. What do we do? How do well, we do fir- first, uh, you know, I, I, you know, what you have gone through. Um, I have a fight in me. Yeah, I know you do. I mean, you definitely, you definitely do. There's a lot of people around this country that have. Similar stories, actually. It's not about the Pandoras, but it's about their children and their grandchildren and, and their family members, right? From fentanyl to to the vaccines and all this stuff. So, and, well, we have Catholic medical centers. Yeah. Track the trail of fentanyl. Yeah. And because the other thing, city. well, the other thing for me too is is uh, is uh, child trafficking. That's another. Yeah, that's you know, it's like the, it's like a child is alive, but for a period for the period of time. So, you know, I, I don't. You know, I don't have the, the, the answer that you want, um, but, I, but I do know I do know that um, you know there's a time when because I, I hate to go well you gotta you gotta elect them out look at our election system and go Shit, that doesn't work so I, I but I do organize at a at a at a local or county level 
I mean, Mike, Mike Lindell yesterday talked about how a couple of different counties are changing their, you're getting rid of the machines and they're doing this and that. Most counties in this country don't realize the power that they have, really. I mean, sheriffs and, uh, and uh, county commissioners, county election commissioners. So I just think that, I just think that we, what we have to do is we do have to get involved at a very, very local level. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you probably police, right? One of the things that, pe that these people are trying to do, when they say defund the police, it's not because they, because they, they want to, to you know, say that police are bad. It's because they want to get rid of local law enforcement. Local law enforcement in this country is it. I mean, there's no local law enforcement in any other country. It's all done at the federal level. Right now we have like 130,000 federal agents. And you know, they're talking about one of the things that this maybe this committee will do or ways and means or the budget committee will get rid of these 87,000 IRS agents. That just adds to federal law enforcement. The more federal law enforcement that we have in this country, the less authority we have. And frankly, get, you get rid of the, you know, you defund the police, you make the police bad, right, like they've done, then we don't have that kind of local law enforcement. I mean, they want that. That's what they're trying. They're trying to destroy the fabric of local policing in this country. Because everything that you're talking about, you know, police forces, local and state level particularly, have authorities to be able to do investigations when they discover stuff. You know, I, and again, it's probably a longer, a longer answer. And I don't but I want to go too deep into it. But here's the yeah. thing: Sununu up in New Hampshire, he's a sellout. I have one video committing treason, ordering nine arrests. registered nurse. Post it on, post it online, and tell all these guys where, where it's at. You know? Right? They suppress me. They delete my Today, yeah, to keep this country safe for my kids, yeah, grandbabies, and everybody else's. What I, what I want you to try to do is, I want you to try to to really find your inner strength here, okay? Because we can't, you know, what we have to do is we have to we have to get through. We have to force our justice system, which is a component of all branches of government, and we have to force our elected leaders to do their jobs. And, and be and be vocal like you're vocal right now and to, and, and and get more people to and be and I, and and also and also last thing because I want to jump to another question because I'm going to watch that clock I want you to also you know like understand your own strengths and weaknesses okay I mean you know d despite all of the all the tragedy that you have uh, experienced find strength in that and, and kind of why you're here and I think that also you know, because I've been up to New Hampshire to try to help out up there, you know, and, and I think it, it is. It is sad. It's sad because, you know, the whole of New England, actually, is starting to, to sort of cave in. And there, but, there's, but there's establishment people up there that actually, you know, Republican establishment people, like you mentioned Sununu, right, that actually you think, geez, don't you people see what's happening to this country? I mean, fentanyl alone is a, is a national security disaster. Right here. General Flynn, thank you so much. Sabrina Whitehorse Barnett, native of the country. You and I have spoken about gathering the troops, right? The yep. digital warriors. Yeah. 
how can we collectively come together as a unified front, just like they have on the other side, yep. but individual united? Are there speaking points that we could possibly have a pool or an app that we can go to so that we can be stronger together, like you said to this gentleman right here? Let everybody else know. Right. Get the word out, sir. Right. Yeah, so great, great point. And I, I'm going to probably finish with this question because I, in Tulsa, which was the very first time we met as an organization, and that was that, you know, at that time we called it the Health and Freedom Festival. I got all the, all of the podcasters together at that time. And at that time we probably had, you know, depend, I think it was our first one. And so we probably had 25 or 30. And we have a good number here today. I mean, I don't know how many we got here, maybe 25 or 30. But I brought everybody together and sat them down. And I said, look, I was, I was answering your specific question. And I looked because I knew some of them and I had been on their podcast or whatever. And I said, when was the last time you, you, know, you spoke to her? When was the last time you, know, you spoke to him? As, right. It doesn't mean that you got to do whatever she does or you got to do whatever he does. You know, just... You all, you know, you guys ought to organize before. If I know how I am, I know how the type of person and how I think. And I'm looking at, and I'm looking around. I want to be successful, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into the world of independent podcasting. I want to be successful, and I want to be independent. I don't want to be owned. I want to be able to say what I want to say. I want to be able to speak my mind, and I want to be able to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Okay, so if I'm in that category, if I'm one of you, I'm gonna look around. I'm gonna say. The ones that are really good. Why do they have? Why do they have a good message? What's their message? What are they talking about? How do they? You know, it's like you. You know, the the whole idea of mimicking somebody is a real compliment, right? I mean, because you find people and you go, wow, they, she's really good or he's really good. I, you know, I become a big fan of Mel Kay as an example, and obviously Clay. Mel Kay has on her website, and they she's got all these like list of resources to go find information right because part of what it is if you're going to do an hour podcast a day or a two-hour podcast a day you should be like preparing like eight hours ten hours maybe yes, sir. for each day okay yes, you can't just go and say i'm going to go do it. i don't sleep much because i'm trying to stay on top of so many different issues and so many different things but that's my, you know, that's where, how I've evolved my life. And I, so I'm asking you, really, because the question really is back to you all, is to say, look, you guys ought to leave places like this, knowing each other better, looking at styles, looking at capabilities, looking at how you can work together, sharing guests, right? Because I get asked all the time about either being a guest or, or hey, do you know so-and-so? Can you get me in touch with so-and-so? And that's not an easy thing to do because so-and-so may not want to have their, their email or their number given, right? But I, I still, I'll always go to that person. But I, and I'm taking my time to go to that person and say, hey, you know, Sabrina asked, she wants to get you on your show. You, uh, can I share your number? Yep, no problem. It's usually the answer because they want to get their message out too. But all of this matters because you're going to have guests on your show. Or you're going to do things and you're going to see it resonate with your audiences, see a topic resonate with your audiences your audiences are going to say yeah this is one of your better shows whatever you what you then do is you share that across i mean personally i would not walk out of here unless i had created 
a email or a text group. And I would probably do it. I'd say, oh, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then all you do, it's like, it's like with me. I'm on a variety of different text and email threads and stuff like that with people that I know. And if I see some number come across on a text thread, I'm like, well, who's got, who's last four is this? Because, you know, it could be somebody who you don't know. Because I'm, and I'm not sharing, you know, intimate, intimate things. I'm sharing, like I read a really good article in some overseas newspaper. Okay. Like I read India Times a lot because the, the Indians are brilliant when it comes to like global issues. And they have great uh, reporters. So I share some of that because I can always read the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. I mean, these are rags. You don't, I mean, you can't believe them. You know, Washington Post, you just can't believe them anymore. So there's a lot of other places where you can find things. You can find people and you go, wow, oh, this, this particular person does threads on Twitter really good. It's analytically correct. They source everything. You know, like uh, a, a Paul Sperry comes to mind. Anybody that knows that name? Or DC Drano comes to mind. I mean, these are people that are out there and they're doing really brilliant things in the world of journalism. You need to be, you need to be finding them, using them on your own show. Because in a funny way, you're really, even though you're, you're in a competitive environment, there's so many people out there that need a voice, that need voices. And they'll, if they like you, you know, they see you and they go, I like this guy. And, you know, then, they'll, then they'll come to your, listen to you, either on their drive to work or on their way to, to visit with somebody or whatever. And they'll, and, they'll, uh, and they'll appreciate what it is that you're doing. If you start to get off track, like there's some people out there that have big, big audiences, and they're off track on, on some of these crazy theories about, you know, John Kennedy Jr. or, you know, the, or these other whatever. I mean, I go, I'm like, none of that's real. But there's people, like I said to somebody here about, you know, get off the couch, right? Like, because you want your audience to do something. You want to give them a call to action. You know, you're informing them and you're informing them, but you want to, you want them to, it's like leaving a movie. I want to go, if I, I'm going to go watch a movie. Somebody's going to say, yeah, I mean, I watched this movie. It like motivated me. So I'll go, if I, I want to go see something or I want to hear something, I want to read something and I want it to, I want it to make me feel like, wow. So that's what you have to do, but you've got to coordinate and come together and organize. And I think that that would be smart for you all to do that coming out of here instead of just walking away. And I don't care if your audience is, is 10,000 in a local area, in a local town, or 10 million, right? Because some of you don't realize, some of you here have large, large audiences, or you're, the nice thing about these independent things is that people can listen to you whenever they want. You know, you either tape or you're live, and then when you're live, you're taped, you know, and, you know, you, if you have a really good short clip, I mean, it's, I'm, not, I'm just giving you tactics about things that you can do, right? And you find influencers out there who have large social media or whatever platform. That's how you can work together. Like you can see, if, if I saw something, I do this all the time. Somebody, I see something and I read something, I'm like, wow, I'll share it with people who have large, large uh, audiences because, I'm, because I want that message to get out. I don't care if it's going to benefit me. I just, it's going to benefit us, right? So anyway, okay. thank you. yeah, that's great. Great question. All right, thank, thanks everybody. I gotta get out. I gotta get back. Back. Okay. All right. Yep. Thank you.
Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow. Just like you, I had problems sleeping. I tried every pillow out there and nothing worked. Ten years ago, I invented my pillow. It took me two years to develop because I wanted to have everything you would ever want in a pillow. I made sure that you could adjust my patented fill so you could have the exact support you need as an individual regardless of your sleep position. I also wanted a pillow that would last, so I made my pillow machine washable and dryable. I back my pillow with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. My pillow lets you adjust it to your exact individual needs regardless of sleep position and stays that way all night long so you get the best sleep of your life. Then when they start messing with it, no other choice but to step up. <laughs> 